That's the trailer of Apple TV's sci-fi extravaganza Invasion. Filmmaker Tom Burston should be in Vancouver right now working on season three of the production. Instead, he's at home in Hawke's Bay writing a book and a screenplay about the extraordinary lives of his parents. Like thousands, well tens of thousands, of film and TV workers around the world, Tom is caught up in the crippling Hollywood writers' strike. Now dragging into a third month with no sign of a resolution. They are on strike for the first time in 15 years, saying they're not being paid fairly for their work. The writers say streaming's lack of a regularly seasonal calendar has hurt their pay and AI has transformed the media landscape. You know, scripted comedies, sitcoms, dramas, all of that right now is a no-go until this is resolved. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly. Today on The Detail, it's about more than our favourite TV shows on hold or cancelled. It is about the fight for survival in an industry that is changing so quickly. And even the superstars are having a say. It has to be worked out, and it has to be worked out in an ecumenical way in which we understand that, guys, we're all in this together. There is a win-win circumstance here that can only come about when everybody is paid their fair share. So back to Tom Burston now. He's not exactly a household name, but many of the films and TV shows he's worked on are Cowboy Bebop, Snowpiercer and the award-winning Kiwi doco This Way of Life. On his latest, Invasion, he's the director of photography. I'm responsible to design a a visual look for for the film in concert with the the lead director and the uh, executive producer, who's also one of the writers. Once that look is designed, then I have to hire a crew and pick the appropriate equipment. So I'm responsible for the camera lighting and, and the means of moving the camera around, which is very sophisticated these days. So you were working away on the production um, the writers went on strike, and does that mean everybody just stops work, they can't carry on? Unless a project has been started and is underway, in in other words, is in photography, then uh, everything must come to a standstill. Because you're still reliant on the writers for to continue the yes. work? Yeah. The writers are always doing rewrites and they're on set and they're they're actively involved with the production. And and that's where part of the, the reason for the strike is that the, the producers or the executives, they're all lawyers and accountants now. They used to be they used to be people who knew about the process of making film and television, but now they're people who know about the process of, of making a deal. So as everybody in this, you know, these days, they're trying to cost cut and they see an opportunity to reduce the responsibilities of the writers. These people right here, these, hello, these are our writers. 
These are our writers, and I'll stick myself in there because I'm WGA too. Stephen Colbert's Late Show is off air because of the strike. And they're so important to our show. They, they write the monologue, uh, the meanwhile, the cold open. And without these people, without these people, this show would be called The Late Show with a guy rambling about the Lord of the Rings and boats for an hour. On a drama series like Invasion that Tom's working on, they also play a big role. What happens is writers, on a, especially on a, on a big TV series, on any TV series, but especially on a big one, they work together. They have a writer's room where a whole bunch of, of people congregate and work through the stories. And then the head writer uh, delegates either episodes or characters or some aspect of that screenplay or those screenplays to each individual and they get to work and then they compare notes and then they, you know, they, they work it out together. So it's a very collaborative process. And it's also expensive because a writer's room can have 10 or 12 people there. And they're among those people are junior writers and seasoned writers. So the junior guys get, they get, their experience by working next to the seasoned ones in that's their workshop that's their education and when a writer is has completed their screenplay then they're invited to go to set and be there during production so they get to watch how their words are being interpreted it's really helpful for the writer to uh, to mature their process and now the the they want to get rid of that they want to get rid of what the, the the team of writers. They want to reduce the team of writers. They want to they want to create something called a mini room, a mini writers room. They don't want to pay for the writers to visit set and hang around. And worst thing is they want to introduce artificial intelligence into the writing process, and that is scary for everybody. Why is that scary for everybody? Have you used no, AI at all? No, no. I've done interviews about it, but I'm sort of too scared to go there, to be honest. I was too. I tried it. I tried it, and I found it uh, actually frighteningly useful. Mm-hmm. There's there was an example of a producer who had an idea for some show, and the producer said uh, to ChatGPT, he said, "Write me a script about." a doctor who murders their patient and then runs away to South America and blah, blah, blah. And 30 seconds later, there was a 60-page screenplay, which was terrible, Mm. but that doesn't matter. The the density was, the the 60-page document was now in existence. The producer gives that document to a writer and says, do a polish on this, please. So the writer basically rewrites the whole thing until it makes sense, until it becomes compelling. But they're only paid at a polish rate, not at an original screenplay rate. So there's reduced income. And as well, they are not permitted any part of the royalties that come from that screenplay. So that's a huge savings for the production. And a very sketchy original document the the labor is still on the writer's shoulders, but they're being very, A, poorly treated and poorly remunerated. Tom will tell us more about what he calls the infiltration of AI into his work, 
But let's look now at why all this matters here in New Zealand. Jason Momoa was welcomed yesterday by Kapahaka champions and a long line of admirers. This hakapohiri for the Hollywood star fitting, given he's here to shoot an Apple TV series called Chief of War. Well, Jason Momoa is just wrapping up the Chief of War series here, and he'll be missed on and off location. He's been posting photos and videos of events like Te Matatini Kapahaka Festival on Instagram, where he has millions of followers. And here he is raving about Aotearoa. You know what I mean? Use it. I love it. Because you love it here. Why do you love New Zealand so much? It's the first place in my life that I've ever landed and I just felt like a deep connection to. I mean, there's, I mean, it's countless things, but I mean, it's the most diverse ecosystem in the world. Um, Just the pride that I have for my own people, the Kanaka Māori, and, you know, our cousins, the Māori. I love the fact that the white culture embraces it so much, knows the language, knows the culture, which just doesn't happen anywhere else. Someone like Jason Momoa singing the praises of New Zealand must be huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simple yeah. as that. That does, not, that, that does not hurt. Philippa Mossman is Head of International Attraction at the New Zealand Film Commission. Her job is to secure work from overseas. It's worth up to $900 million a year. Typically these international productions um, use 90% of New Zealand cast and crew. They bring in very few people that's spent on leasing New Zealand-owned film studio facilities, paying location fees, um, hiring cameras and lighting and all the other equipment and production uses in large amounts, and then extends to putting people up in hotels and accommodation and in the cities and regional areas and feeding and watering them, of course, leasing vehicles, manufacturing sets and props and costumes, all all of those things. That's what the money's spent on. But we also experience the worth, if you like, in in lots of other ways, like tourism activity that actors get into while they're here and share with their their squillions, participation in community Events. A recent example of this with an international production is the the high-profile cast of Chief of War. So that the Chief of War series is set in the period of the historic unification of the Hawaii Islands. So lots of indigenous connections, in particular, to reinforce and make there. And I think the other thing to touch on in, in terms of worth is the business and creative introductions which naturally occur when you have large international productions in town. They they really do grow New Zealand's connection to the world while spending a lot of money in the local economies in a relatively short amount of time. That particular one, that's the much talked about Jason Momoa there, isn't it? So that that would be a Hollywood production? Yes, that is a Fifth season is the company behind that. It is a Hollywood production. And so it's not affected by the writer's strike because I I understand it's almost finished. That is the reason why it is not affected by the writer's strike. But any any other production that is not uh, written is. So how many projects have that were going to be made here or have any kind of connection with New Zealand have either been postponed or cancelled because of the writers' strike? None has been cancelled. 
Um, and a very great many have been either not been able to yet green light, and we still hope in many cases that they will. Certainly the productions are using this time that they have uh, as, as best they can. So productions are still, in terms of the work that they're doing, here or or with us rather than than being here it, you know they're still working on their budgets and doing their location scouting figuring out the key you know creative personnel they'll work with connecting with New Zealand companies but essentially without a script there is no show and so the, the so the productions can't be greenlit until the writers strike is resolved and when you say many are affected, many that were um, going to be made here or bringing overseas people here. In relation, mm. h- how many? Well, as I said, none has cancelled. It's more shows that are quite, or productions that are quite well advanced in their consideration of New Zealand and are getting to the point of concluding that New Zealand is the place for them, but they're not able to press go. And in terms of quantities, you know, there'd be a minimum of three um, substantial series um, and the same number or more of feature films that are just sort of in stasis, really. That's a lot for New Zealand, isn't it? Um, I mean, how much would... These productions are worth a lot of money, like, as you were saying. Each of these productions, what are they worth? Millions? Yeah, it's Definitely um, big business with a lot of value for New Zealand that's on pause. How worrying is it? Because there's no, my understanding is there's no sign of a resolution yet. It's been dragging on now into its, close to its third month. It will be a really great day when we are starting to get um, signals that they're close to resolution. So, yeah, no, it is a worry. However, what we're hearing in our conversations with the the studios and the production companies, the streamers and and the people in Hollywood, is, you know, that people are optimistic that things will get sorted out reasonably soon. And we are optimistic about a reasonably busy last part of the year. So what are they telling you, Philippa, the companies and the people that you deal with, what are they actually saying to you? Uh, They're continuing to work with us on the things that they need to figure out as they approach bringing a production to New Zealand. So that sort of work is is continuing. Um, and they what they're actually saying to us is that um, they cannot proceed until the writer's strike is resolved. But it must be quite difficult for a lot of New Zealanders whose work, you know, who are relying on these projects happening on time. I mean, what what do they do? What are you hearing? It's not uncommon for projects to change their dates or, or ship schedules for one reason or another. And freelance independent crew are certainly, you know, used to having to contend with that. However, you know, in the normal course of production planning, that's something they're familiar with. But this is a different story. And actually, your your note about Tom in Vancouver points to the fact that this is not a New Zealand-only issue. This is what film sectors all over the world are, are experiencing at the moment. There is no country 
um, that needs writers out of America that is in the situation. So, you know, the filmmakers here are turning their attention to local projects with the domestic productions that are going on and, you know, turning their, their hand to other things. If you think this is a chance for New Zealand screenwriters to step in and offer their services, well, it's not that straightforward. The local Writers Guild supports the strikers and urges members not to work on projects that are subject to strike action. It's not the easy fix. It's not an opportunity for New Zealand, put it that way. No, not not that kind of opportunity. Look, the opportunity here is for us to do what we do in terms of staying close with these companies, gaining as much traction as we can on their existing productions and, you know, so that just keeping the momentum up, maintaining the relationships, keeping New Zealand top of mind so that when this is passed, we're in a really good place then to make the most of the opportunity. The other thing that's going on at the moment in the industry internationally, Philippa, is is that these streamers like Netflix, Apple, whatnot, they are making pretty big cuts at the moment to their schedules because their finances aren't looking so good. How does that affect the conversations that you have? There's a very keen focus on cost, on the cost of production. And so, yeah, that, that comes up in the conversations all the time. It means that fewer productions are expected to be made globally, you know, over the next five years. Um, so, yeah, a lot of scrutiny on cost and the expectation that the streamers will still spend significant amounts of money on productions, um, but they may well commission, if you like, fewer than what they have in the past. So what, has New Zealand kind of reached its peak in terms of what, what it can make from overseas productions, do you think? No, I don't think that at all. That New Zealand is still very attractive to international productions and we have a great deal to offer. Uh, it's just that the conversations for the executives we're dealing with are becoming sharper in a new way and, and we are having to help them in making people understand that it makes sense to come to New Zealand. <laughs> You're yeah. having to help them understand. <laughs> what yeah. does that mean? <laughs> uh, what, what, yeah, what does that mean? What, what I mean is that the, the executives are in a situation where they have many different places in the world that they could consider taking their production. And what we like to make sure of is that we're in the... Um, in that consideration set uh, as many times as possible. There are over 100 places in the world, for example, that offer incentives schemes and incentives programs, which is a big part of what what um, draws this business. And so it, it's really providing them with all the information and all the tools they need to demonstrate that New Zealand is the place for them to come. And that's a combination of the incentives are competitive, the creative match for their project is something that can be communicated. We have um, the personnel here with incredible international credits already that make perfect sense to them. All, all of those factors that those are really well understood and we assist them in communicating that to the people they need to. So back to those picketing writers. They want better pay and conditions, 
But a big worry is producers using low-cost artificial intelligence. Here's Tom Burston talking about how it is creeping into his work. We're already doing it. We're already mapping faces. You stand in a room, you know, in a a, a tight costume that, that shows your body shape. Mm. And uh, I don't know how many hundred cameras all around that room photograph you in various positions with various expressions. That data is then interpreted by an AI-driven visual effects application to create a virtual person. Wow. And at the same time, their voice is recorded and they're going to have to license your, I don't know what, what what to call it, your persona or your virtual person, but then they can get that thing to act so we would film a scene without actor and then that actor would be placed into that scene and it's terrible right now it's very clumsy uh, it's too perfect mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. very soon they'll be able to take the edge off of that and and that's been happening for a long time hasn't it tom so what what is different about what they're calling AI now, today. It's becoming more... They're not calling that AI, but mm. it is. Mm. It's just slowly infiltrating. Though it's just become much more cost-effective, much quicker to accomplish, and much more sophisticated. The last thing we did on on this uh, show that I'm, I'm waiting on now was um, a figure standing... Over there, another one, and then on another day, another figure standing over here, and then a bit of set, and and now they've combined it all to make a scene. I had not, I had no idea what I was filming. I just knew that there was going to be sort of a window here, and light was going to come from there, and I had to kind of make something up according to those, you know, um, those parameters. Mm. So does that make your work in some ways a lot more challenging if you don't really know what you're filming? No, sadly, it makes it much more boring. Oh. Our physical challenges are, are reduced. We don't have to go, you don't have to go to Tibet to film, you know, a Tibetan temple, you know, at 14,000 feet. You know, just film some guy trudging through pretend snow and lo and behold, there's the temple. And, every, and our, our mistakes are easily corrected to the point where less care has to be given in the production stage of things and during the photography. And that might be the hardest thing because I grew up working with film, which was relatively unforgiving. And now we can fix mistakes later. And now we can take shortcuts that n- normally we would have spent an extra 20 minutes or half an hour or worse uh, correcting so that we could photograph it properly. Now now those things we can avoid doing because we can fix it later. And is, that's why we should care about this writer's strike here in New Zealand because I think that you know we feel pretty removed from it apart from the fact that maybe our favorite um, TV programs or you know some blockbuster films aren't being made why should we care about this in New Zealand on a work level it's we should care because 
a lot of the foreign production that comes here is uh, Hollywood based, and I think it. I think all our ideas are becoming are becoming more middle of the road. I, I don't think AI is a groundbreaking intellect. I think it's a groundbreaking technology, but I don't think it does not think outside the box. I had a document that needed to be shrunk and it was 12 pages and it needed to be two paragraphs and I couldn't do it. So I asked ChatGPT to do it and it and it came up with something pretty good and I I had an interaction with it that was quite friendly as if it was uh, a person. And I said, "Listen, that's very good. Nice work." Could you put back some of the emotion? Where did I put it? I saved the letter because it was so good. This is AI writing me. It says, thank you for the encouragement. I will continue to do my best to provide helpful responses. As an AI language model, my primary goal is to assist and provide information to the best of my abilities. I may not have emotions in the traditional sense, but I am programmed to understand and respond appropriately to the emotions expressed by humans. I'm always learning and improving, so I appreciate feedback and suggestions on how to better serve your needs. Whether you need assistance with a specific task, have a question about a topic, or just want to chat, I'm here to help you in any way I can. So please, don't hesitate to reach out to me anytime you need assistance or support. I am here for you. (laughs) That's that's a little bit creepy, I reckon. It is totally creepy. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Tom Burston and Philippa Mossman. Kakite anō.